Hello and welcome to The Bandwagon. I'm your host, Stephen Kernan, and joining me in the studio, as always, Brent Dolan. How you doing, Brent? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Good. So today we are going to be talking about a few teams in particular that we haven't had the chance to talk about in a little while just due to like all-star news and things like that. We're going to be talking about the Utah Jazz, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Phoenix Suns, three teams who definitely deserve their credit so far for their performance in the season. But before we get to that, I wanted to quickly mention that we relaunched our website. It's bandwagonnba.com. Um, we've got all new, uh, we've got our take tracker in there, we've got brand new articles in there, and we'll be writing articles as the weeks come. We've also got ways to listen to the podcast, and I'm working on some other resources as well. So if you enjoy the show, make sure you go check us out there. And if you have any questions for the show, we answered a question on last week's podcast, make sure you send an email in to mailbag at bandwagonnba.com. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. I want to talk, first of all, a little bit about the drama. Um, I had actually kind of missed this. Um, it was brought up to me like yesterday, I think. But in the Sixers jazz game, there was a lot of drama toward the end. And fortunately, it's the two teams we were already planning on talking about. So um, might as well bring this up here and now. But the Jazz have obviously been on a tear. They're the best team in the league right now in terms of record, in terms of standing. And essentially, at the end of the game, there was a series of close calls, um, most of which went into Philadelphia's favor, most of which, to me, were justifiable. They were really close, and I could see them going anyway. It just so happens that they went Philly's way. There were, there were actually one or two that were, that were pretty bad. Um, but that being said, they it was a very competitive game, very exciting game to see, and I wanted to start talking about the Jazz, um, first of all, about the off-court stuff afterward, because at the end of the game, in overtime, it, you know, very close game, like I was saying, and Donovan Mitchell had a very, very close situation. Um, there, was, there was a very close call on Gobert and Embiid that probably should not have been a foul, but was called a foul anyway. Mitchell got mad about it. He got teed up. Two plays later, um, he's still talking to the refs, uh, yelling expletives at the refs, and the refs ejected him. On his way out, he throws over a water cooler, and at the end of the game, they're talking about, in the press conference, you've got Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert all talking about the refs, all bad-mouthing the refs, saying that they are being robbed because they're a small market team, um, you know, carrying that narrative forward. And I wanted to get your take a little bit. Obviously, they've been fined a total of $45,000, I think, and there have been consequences as a result. But I wanted to get your take quickly about the Jazz, uh, the jazz specifically and whether that's a warranted take there, and more broadly speaking in terms of, of small market teams. Yeah, so, I mean, I think in the situation and, and the kind of cards they were dealt that game, I don't blame them for getting upset and for being like, it's because we're a small market. Part of it probably was, I don't think it all was, but part of it was probably that they were a small market and the calls just tend to not follow your way a lot of times when yeah. that happens to you. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's that's probably part of it. I don't think it was the whole reason, but I don't blame them for thinking that. Right. Another thing as far as the broader spectrum, small markets do kind of get, bone in the modern NBA. I just, yep. 
it's not it's it's getting a little better. Milwaukee getting Giannis was a huge step for that. Um the Utah Jazz being the number one team in the West is another big step for that. And so in general, things are looking better now than they have in recent years. But when you're going up against Philly and they're two top teams and you're like, the league wants Philly to win that. Yeah. Uh, and it's because the team, even if it wasn't a small market, the Jazz just aren't as fun of a team. Uh, they don't have the star power that Philly does. They don't have yeah. Embiid, Simmons, Tobias. I mean, they have Donovan Mitchell, but they also have Rudy Gobert, who's probably one of the most boring superstars ever. He's just... He's exciting and boring yeah. to a casual fan. Boring in the sense that he's not very outspoken. Like, you don't hear or see him very often. So, but I'm, I interpreted you saying boring as, like, underwhelming or, like, underrepresented. Like, understated, maybe, is a, is a word. Yeah, uh, just as far as, like, and on the court, the things he does aren't, like, highlight plays, like, yeah, most even of the time. When he Except, a, unless, like, it's a block or something. And even, even then, then, it's like, they're not exciting blocks. He's seven foot. Most of his blocks are because, like, he reaches up and it's... He's not normally just, like, swatting out into the stands. It's just not him. Um, and so, when you're going that against Embiid, who's polarizing in the media, his game is fun. If he blocks a shot, it is going into the stands. Um, yeah, well, and, and Embiid on an MVP tear as well. So. Yeah, and so... All of that together, you have this kind of MVP case player, Philly, which is a pretty big market. Uh, and then you're going against the t a team that's whole thing right now is they just have multiple good players. They don't have one guy that's like way better than the rest, no. which is, I think, is fun for us, like more diehard basketball fans who are really into that. But for a casual fan, you're going to lean towards Philly. And so, and the league is looking towards casual fans a lot, and that's where a lot of the money comes from. And so I, I could see, with all of that, why the Jazz think they're, the league's favoring Philly a little, because they probably were a little. I don't think as much as yeah. the Jazz... Well, it's not like on. the Kings whenever they were... <laughs> whenever the, the Lakers yeah. came back and won on some absurd calls. Like, it's not one of those. But, you know, that being said, I mean, they were close calls. It is It is a tough look that all of them, like, all of the close calls... Every single one went Philly's way, and that's that's what led to the overtime in the first place where Mitchell was ejected. So I can see the frustration there in this situation. I do think one thing that goes against their case is the fact that they're the number one team in the league. Like They, they made pretty broad statements about how the league does not want them to win and how, how refs are, don't want to see them win. But at the same time, I mean, they clearly have the best record in the league, and some of those wins have come against some pretty impressive teams as well. So like I do see I do see the discrepancy between small and and large market teams, but I, generally speaking I see that that comes um you know those critiques are pretty valid toward the playoffs, but also like I generally see that come up with more regard to like team construction than officiating like night in and night out if that makes sense but you know i mean i i believe it was a home game for philly as well and so that was uh pretty tough to to see but that said i do want to talk about the jazz because like we've mentioned a couple times now number one team in the league what do you think has has made the difference for them i know you mentioned it's pretty egalitarian um like workload but uh is there anything in particular that stands out or that you wanted to bring up uh, they're they're unselfish. The whole team is. Everyone yeah. just wants to win, 
And that seems like a pretty baseline thing. You think every team would do that. That's that's just not the case. A lot of times it's not the case, the majority yeah. of times. Well, and you need specific players for that to work. Yeah. And so I think that's a huge part. Uh, Mike Conley coming in and looking like the player we thought he would be last year. Yeah. That's huge for them. That's that's a big reason they're doing well. I mean, just Donovan and Rudy couldn't have done it. And so and now Mike Conley's an all-star. Yeah. It took a couple injuries for him to get there. Right. But now, technically, the Jazz have three All-Stars. Mm -hmm. And so that's big. A three All-Star team, even if none of them are superstars per se, three All-Stars is still three All-Stars. That's that's a pretty good team. I think Jordan Clarkson scoring 18 this year yeah. is a big part of it. And the fact that every, no one can miss a three on the team is another big part of it. I mean, yeah. you have everyone that's just knocking down threes. In this league, you like that. You have a defense with a former DPOY can't, like, Winner, multiple time winner, and Rudy Gobert, and so like, you have a good defensive anchor. You're shooting a lot of threes and making a lot of them. Everyone's unselfish. There's great ball movement. That's their number one. That's I think a huge reason they're winning. No. And then you also have Donovan Mitchell, who late game can just take over and score ten straight if you want need him to. Yeah. And so I don't that's know how they, I don't know how they would lose if if that's the formula they're going. That's with. big to be honest. I mean, um, first of all, like I I think most of what you've attributed this to which is a lot there are a lot of things a lot of factors going their way and generally it needs to be when you're the the number one team in the league right now but a couple things that you hit on that i think are really important that i wanted to point out first of all you mentioned like how can they lose right now they're leading the league in like in net rating as a team by a lot there there are 50 percent higher in net rating than any other team in the league right now um, which is just a testament to their absurd consistency. And overall, so they are the only team. So right now, they are third in the league in offensive rating and third in the league in defensive rating. No other team in the top 10 on either stat is also in the top 10 on the other. So like they're top three on both. No one at all is in the top 10 on both. And that is just like a testament to... To their effort level and in terms of ball movement like people would be surprised they are among the bottom of the league in in terms of assist percentage but there's i think there's a difference and and when people start talking about like playmaking as opposed to assist numbers like those can be different things and where it shows up i think the most uh with utah in particular is the pick and roll game with gobert and Mitchell or Conley as the ball handler, more often than not, turns into drive-and-dish opportunities um, they, that they keep kicking the ball around. And with the pick-and-roll with Gobert, it turns into pull-up shots. Like, there, there are a lot of times uh, the Jazz are actually leading the league in efficiency off of pull-ups, and they're number two in pull-up threes this season. And so while the assist numbers technically are down... Like, the movement and the, the coaching is there, and, like, their system is firing on all cylinders. Uh, and it, it's, like, it's really, really fun to watch. Um, like, you... It's almost crazy to me. Like, this is what I expected from the Jazz last season, like you mentioned earlier. And it's kind of been really fun to see it unfold this year. And I actually have, like, I don't know what your take is. I'll let you up to that. But right now, for me... 
I can pretty much guarantee, like I would pretty much guarantee and put money on the Jazz in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. The only problem with the Jazz, if the and there is a problem, uh, they're not they're not the Warriors. Oh uh, uh, yeah, they're not flawless, and they, and they, I don't expect them to be. I think their one flaw is right now you have Royce O'Neal as your wing. Come no. playoff time, that's an issue. Uh, you, you think? Need, you need a wing defender. In the modern league, you do. You need someone that can stop LeBron. You need no. someone who can stop AD. Uh, you need someone who can stop Kawhi, Paul George. I mean, these are just the Giannis. If you make it to the finals, or Kevin Durant, like. It's a problem. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of good pieces. Uh, injuries could get in the way for them, but health standing, I think that's their only real issue I can see. Yeah, is not having a wing who can defend those really big stars and on the perimeter specifically. On the perimeter because, specifically, because yeah, I mean, to your point, I just watched like this morning. I finished watching that that Sixers Jazz game because I wanted to see some of those calls that were really close. And during that game, like in the overtime game. Five possessions in a row, if if I remember correctly, either that or four out of five, they tossed the ball to Tobias Harris in overtime, and he was matched up against Bogey, and there was nothing he could do. Like, he was on an island, and he scored on at least three of those plays, back to back to back. Um, either that or was fouled. And I, I think that's a valid point, and that's part of the reason I don't have them, you know, in the finals right now, is because I, I think that that, length will bother them and philly in particular they won't play on the way to the finals obviously but philly in particular i think highlighted the weakness you're talking about the most yeah and so and when you're looking at rudy gobert and his track record with the playoffs i think a lot of it's overstated i think he's better in the playoffs than some people have given him credit for but i also think there are some problems there i mean he's big he's not that fast and i think when it slows down to a half-court offense there are some teams that can expose that the lakers i don't think are really one of those teams right now mainly because they rely on their size a lot yeah and they did last year specifically and that's why they won a lot of games in the playoffs because their size won out the day specifically against the rockets that was a big series so i mean there's not as many teams i think out west that are going to go super small to try and combat that yeah Uh, and so that plays in their favor a little bit but i mean at the end of the day, you you need a li- you need a wing defender, and I think that's the piece they're looking for. And they don't need to have someone great, but just someone who can maybe slow down LeBron James. Yeah, and that'd be huge. Um, that's the reason I don't have them as favorites right now. Yeah, and that's that's about the only reason I don't have them as favorites right now to win the finals. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. I I think to your point about LeBron, um, Gobert could can stop LeBron in from his driving you know he can slow him down on some of those drives granted i mean lebron's incredible at driving and kicking driving and dumping he's gotten much better at like pull up mid-range shots pull up threes so there are some weapons that lebron i mean he's an all-time great player so there's only so much you can do to slow him down but um you know i think the reliance on on the pick and roll as well is another reason that i don't have them clearly in the finals now that said i would not be surprised if the jazz won the title this year no and i think if there was a year to do it this this is the year yeah well this is, it, it's it's a weird year and if there's if there was a year in which the jazz were gonna 
shock everybody and quote like ruin the season some were saying just because it's the jazz and nobody really likes the jazz that much that this would be the season not i for one i'm a lakers fan i'm okay with it yeah my my, number one i'd rather see lakers go back to back that's that's my that's what i think would be my favorite outcome but i mean if that's not happening, give the Jazz a chip. Like, I think that'd be fun. I think it'd be exciting. I think it'd be great for the league's environment. Yeah. And I, I think it's time a small market team took one back. I agree. Um, you know, I mentioned the pick and roll. Like, if they can keep it up in the in the playoffs, they're going to be pretty deadly. I know it's pretty switch heavy in the playoffs. But um, right now, in terms of the pick and roll ball handler, they're first in the league in points per possession for the pick and roll ball handler. Um, field goals attempted a game. For the ball handler uh, points per game they're just insane and the frequency in terms of their shot selection that that the ball handler in a pick and roll situation is taking the shot so uh and that's not even to mention go bears role as the as the role man and he's he's done very well there as well so it's it's hit or miss with the switching in the playoffs depending on the team you're going up against and and the perimeter defense that they have but um, you know Ben Simmons was was enough of a <laughs> of a nuisance against Donovan Mitchell to give me a little pause there with my take. I was well, ready I, to pencil them I into the championship. On on that, I I don't see many players other than Ben Simmons that could stop Mitchell in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, well, well it, I don't see many teams that have someone like that on the perimeter. Yeah, well, not especially not in the pick and roll um, because like yeah, it, the size. Is, is a huge problem in terms of like Donovan Mitchell's not a small guard like he's not a small guy at all but Ben Simmons is just huge yeah and so it would take a player like Ben Simmons to slow him down and and if that means putting you know a wing defender on him or something along those lines I mean they may need to but I mean <laughs> I don't know who the Nuggets would be putting up um, they wouldn't be putting up anyone they exactly. don't uh, as I highlighted earlier this year they don't have anyone that can defend yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, there are a lot of teams in the West that would have a really hard time. I think Portland would have a hard time. Uh, San Antonio would have a hard time. Golden I think State. Dallas would. Yeah. Anyone they face in the first round is going to be a cakewalk for the Jazz, I think. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's good for them because they need they need Mitchell to warm up. If he plays even, like, three-fourths of well as he did last year in the playoffs, like, that's scary. Yeah. He's, well, he's, he he has looked really good as well. I know I snubbed him in my all-star vote. It was a pretty basketball hipster take, but he was like right there on the edge for me. And and he's gotten better. He's he's improved significantly. I think the biggest thing for me was was the impact to winning that like was very difficult to suss out and prove and he has improved on that ever since. I think that just goes against uh, goes along with our uh our talks about reverse jinxes from last week. You know, <laughs> by the way, the Celtics since that pod are four and They they're now in the. They're, you know, maybe let maybe they lost last night. I don't know if they played. I but. have I have a bit of a power. Some might say. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, um, you know, speaking of your reverse jinxes specifically, I want to move on to Philly. Um, the Sixers have looked incredible. A lot of it is due to to Embiid, but there are a couple other factors at play too. Um, I just wanted to get your take. I know you you admitted defeat last week. I think a little bit on the the Sixers, but I wanted to rub some salt in the wound and make you talk a little bit of praise. You know, I admit defeat a little bit, a little bit in the fact I I, I didn't see this coming. Yes, I don't take them seriously as a contender. Still, still to this day, I don't. Um, once again, come playoff time, 
A, can Embiid handle that workload? Can can he do this all season and do it in the playoffs when it gets even more physical? I don't know if his body can do that. B, Tobias Harris is closing a lot of these games for them. A lot of the games. I don't think I am the only person who does not trust Tobias Harris to close a playoff game. I think there's a wide variety of people that believe that. And so if you're relying on him a lot of these times when it slows down and you have a capable wing player stopping him, I don't think his impact and his success is as high. Uh, and that's that's just, I that's a, that's a big reason. And Bede's health, and Tobias Harris needs to continue to be really good if they're going to keep winning. Yeah. And I don't think come playoff time he's going to be able to do that. Well, I mean... You know, uh, first of all, you mentioned a lot of people are are scared of, about having Tobias Harris on their team come playoff time. I think Sixers fans from last year are among the that group. But um, the I think the difference this year, the reason Tobias Harris has been playing so well, is specifically because so much attention is going to Embiid that they can't sag off of Embiid for even a second, and he's been able to play significantly more. And as a result, you know. Tobias Harris is never going to be the best player on any championship team or any maybe even playoff team. He's just not that kind of player. He's talented for sure, but that's just not his skill set. And he's really more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. And with Ben Simmons playing extremely well this year, um, surprisingly well to me, honestly, um, he he's made some big improvements. Um, not necessarily on his shooting, but he's found ways to become more effective with his style. And then Embiid's just been absurd. Um, literally MVP caliber. Like, he is an MVP favorite for me right now. The Embiid we've waited with, on for years, to be with honest. With Jokic. Yeah, seriously. And it's it's just a matter of, like, has his health allowed it? And this year, so far, yes. And, and because of that, I think come playoff time, your point on on Embiid's health becomes even more important because Embiid, I think, is what is unlocking Tobias Harris right now. Yeah, and so it's dependent on a lot of things. And it's come playoff time, I think there's two types of teams and two types of three-point shooters specifically. I think there's regular season three-point shooters and playoff three-point shooters. The Bucks recently have had a lot of players that are regular season three-point shooters, and come playoff time, all of a sudden they're not hitting as much. The Jazz, I think, have a lot of good regular season and playoff three-point shooters. I don't think their shot's going to lose as much. When I'm looking at the Sixers, there's a couple players that's not as reliable. I think Seth Curry's reliable. I think he's still going to be able to make his shots, but the rest of the team, it's it's a little iffy for me. Uh Especially when you slow down and you put them in a half court, I just it's it's gonna need that peak and bead. And if they have him along, and if Tobias Harris doesn't slow down his play, if he keeps playing well, and Ben Simmons can keep the groove he's in, because the first couple months of the season Simmons was not great, yeah. but he he picks it up and he's looking better. But they're gonna need this level of play to compete with other teams, and even then, I don't think they're a clear favorite, and so. That's why I don't I don't see them as like I I'm not gonna say they're favorites to make it into the finals. I just I I can't get there because they need this to stay up come playoff time, and even then the Nets are a problem for them. They just they're they're gonna be a problem for them, and the Bucks are gonna be a problem for them just because like they have 
more guys on the team who have done it before. I guess the Bucks. I mean, it's Giannis. Maybe not too many players that have done it before. But I mean, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Those players at least they know what happens come playoff time, and I trust two out of three of those players come playoff time. Yeah, well, and and to your point, um, this has changed since I looked it up uh, yesterday, but you mentioned regular season versus playoff three-point shooting, and a big part of that is how defenses adjust over the course of a series. And right now, the, the Jazz are the number one team in the league in terms of how many open, or they were as of last night. Today, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder, but in wide open three-point attempts per game, um, Philly is in the bottom six. So the fact that they're not, they're hitting these threes, but the because they are more contested, I think that really hurts their chances when defenses ramp up in the playoffs. And that just goes to the fact that right now, to be honest, they're a middle-of-the-pack offense in terms of efficiency, in terms of their um, like scoring numbers per 100, they're in middle of the pack offense, and they rely heavily on some of their defensive contributions. Their spacing gets awkward sometimes. Danny Green hasn't always showed up the way that that people expected, really, for the past two years. And so there are a lot of variables uh, for Philly, and I don't I don't blame you for for not trusting that. If if you were to go pit Philly right now against Boston, Brooklyn. And really, that's uh, that's it, honestly. If you were to Milwaukee, pit them, maybe? yeah, and you can pit them against Milwaukee too. That one's just like a, a very tough matchup to to think about. But really, pit them up against the top three teams, and where do you see them shaking up? A lot of it depends on Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart healthy. I'd probably say Philly in about seven. That one's a pretty long one. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Smart not he- healthy. That's a faster series. Well, I mean specifically, Boston I think would struggle against Embiid. Yeah. And Ben Simmons can lock up Tatum. So uh, either Tatum or Brown. And yeah. And Marcus Smart's huge, and he could help out with some uh, like some problems. That's why I think they could go six or seven, but yeah. they're, they're going to lose that series no matter what. Yep. Brooklyn wins. Brooklyn beats them. Um, they're deep. The thing is, Philly's defense isn't good enough, no matter how good it'll be, to stop that offense. Yeah, no. And their offense isn't good enough to take advantage of the awful defense of Brooklyn. So I think in that particular matchup, it's just like, it just does, It Brooklyn just takes it. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee, the Milwaukee, Milwaukee's tough. And I see, I see them, I see them closer to a Milwaukee level than yeah. a Brooklyn level. And I'm not sure... If that's an insult to them, or if it's not, but that's just kind of where I see them, and I don't take Milwaukee seriously either, yeah. um, as far as winning the NBA Finals. So I mean, it pains me to say it, but right now with Boston falling out, like Brooklyn's looking like the maybe the favorite to make it out of the East. Yeah, I think the only team that would give uh, of those groups, it's almost like rock paper scissors, where like different teams would beat different other teams for. For various yeah, reasons. Yeah, and I mean, there's no, there's like so many bad. I mean, yeah, and you so, know, after those four teams, the next team is the New York Knicks. Like yeah. uh, the Knicks aren't winning up. Like 
it doesn't. Uh, it's it's the bad. Knicks it's have been bad. really good this year, specifically their defense. Um, and, but, but and props to props to Randall and some surprise minutes from Nerlens Noel. But yeah, to your point, I mean they're only four series contenders, um, looking more like three every day. And I I really do think that it's kind of a rock paper scissors thing where. I do see Philly beating Boston because they have some pretty unique matchup advantages, but you know, when it comes to when it comes to Milwaukee, I don't know. Um and whereas I think Philly would easily lose to Brooklyn, does Milwaukee? Like I I think that Milwaukee has the most unique matchup there. Um, and then here's another big thing is like what if Philly faces Miami? Miami matches up real well against Philly, and they're mm-hmm. starting to climb back up now that they have their players back. Yeah. So, like, the, if they get healthy and start playing a little bit better through the end of the season, like, I don't know that Miami matches up really well against Philly, I think, and so... Yeah, I agree. I think Philly could take some notes from the Lakers' uh, final series against Miami last year because with the size advantages and some of their, their um, player like some of their talent. I I think that Philly could copy some of the success that the Lakers had last year um, in different ways, obviously some of the shooting won't be there, but, um, but they've got the talent that that would be an interesting matchup too. I am just, uh, I've been very impressed this year, more specifically with, with Embiid um, Simmons as well. Simmons is, you know, five spots below Embiid on every, basically every stat. But right now, you know, we mentioned the battle of the centers for MVP last year, and as we're talking right now, Embiid and Jokic are both on pace for a top 15 season all time in player efficiency rating. The only current players that would be above them were LeBron's 08 to 09 MVP season, LeBron's 12 to 13 MVP season, Steph Curry's 15 to 16 MVP season, and Giannis's MVP season last year. Yeah. So those are the only players that are even close. And so, and part, part of that is due to the fact that, like, defense is a little lax this year. Like, people were pretty lazy that first couple months. Yeah. But, I mean, another part of that is they're just really, really, really talented players. So yeah. you got to give them credit there. I. It's just, it's tough in the East. Um, where the East, there's just a lot of teams I don't trust. No. But one of them's got to make it out, and so I find myself most of these most of these pods. I'm like, I don't see them as a contender or them making to the finals. But I gotta pick someone to make the yeah, finals. Someone I guess. has to. Someone has so to, and I just it's pretty tough. It's it's tough, and I think there there's a lot of interesting teams. Um, but I think out west there's just more serious contenders in my opinion. I think the Clippers, Jazz, and Lakers are probably my top. My top three teams. No. May, may, maybe throw Brooklyn and Philly. I think Brooklyn's still four for me. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's tough. And so, whereas before I was saying Brooklyn wasn't going to make the finals, now it's like, well, someone has to. And I don't. I take them a little more seriously than I do the other players just because of matchups. So, it's tough. Yeah. And, um, well, I mean, we'll get to another team here pretty soon, but the tough part about what you were just mentioning is that if there are three very serious contenders in the West, then that takes them, that makes it much more difficult for them to make the finals. 
And so it's possible that you have a situation where teams are worn down by the time they get to the finals, and then it opens the door for one of these Eastern Conference teams that on paper would would normally struggle in a seven-game series. So it'll be an interesting uh, playoffs this year for sure. And I wanted to actually get your take on uh, another team in the West that's apparently a top team in the West right now, Phoenix. Um, they've played exceptionally well, specifically on defense, and... I don't know. I've been impressed. I, I mentioned earlier in the season, we were really high on Phoenix earlier in the season. I talked about how I enjoyed watching the pick-and-roll game between Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. That has actually improved, and Ayton's had a much better feel for the game. But the other thing that I mentioned is that they still had room to grow in terms of the fact that Booker was having an off, uh, off 10 games, dozen games that he was off. And... As he, I expected him to improve, for sure, and he has. And between January to February, his shooting percentages across the board went up between 5 and 10%. He's hitting a bunch of shots. His scoring went up 5 points a game. And his efficiency numbers have sort of climbed out from the depths. So how do you feel uh, about Phoenix so far? Um, do you rank them up there with those other teams? And why and why not? As far as people who I think could win the finals, no. Uh, I don't see Phoenix taking it this year. Um, part of that's just because DeAndre Ayton's kind of a liability right now. I mean, offensively, maybe he does have some bright spots. Defensively, some nights he has bright spots. Rarely does both happen on the same night. Yeah. Um, and even then, he's he's just not he's not looking that great this season. It's a little disappointing and a little less than I, I was hoping for more from him. So that's a little disappointing. Devin Booker is phenomenal. He's really good. He's not there yet. He, I don't think he can be the best player on the championship team yet. And I don't think Chris Paul currently can be the best player on the championship team either. And so that kind of, that just that kind of scratched them out, in my opinion. I think they have upset potential for... I think if they made it to the Western Conference Finals, I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. If the, I think they could upset either Utah or the Clippers, maybe the Lakers. Ooh, Utah, that'd be tough. It'd be t- that, and that, that's, that's... <laughs> that'd be really, really tough. Because I mean, if you got Embiid out there, or not Embiid, Gobert um, out there against Dayton, that's gonna that's gonna be make that pick and roll game pretty tough. But yeah, yeah I, I mean... do like the matchup of like Conley against Chris Paul and then Booker and Mitchell. Yeah. And so I like the. But That'd yeah. be a fun series, yeah, a lot like be. the Denver series from last year for the Jazz. And so I mean, I could see that happening. Honestly, I don't think they could beat the Clippers or the Lakers, but they might be able to upset Utah just because I think it'd be fun, and I think the teams are both like young enough that they're each prone to mistakes of their own. But outside of that, they're a regular season team. Like, they're they're not gonna win the Western Conference Finals, I don't think. And part of and if they were out east. Maybe I take them a little more seriously because their competition's a little worse. But out west, like I said, like top three teams in the league right now are out west in my opinion. So like, yeah. that's just it's tough for them. Like, even if they make it to the Western Conference Finals, that's me saying they beat one of the three best teams in the league. But like to make it to the finals, you have to beat two of the top three teams in the league. Like, that's tough. And I don't think they're there yet. They, I think a couple more pieces, maybe. Maybe next year, if they get someone really good, like someone solid in the offseason, maybe they can make some noise next year. But I just don't think this is their year. 
This is a good year for them to get experience in the playoffs, though, and I think that's really important for the team is they get good playoff experience and get some wins. Yeah, I think um, if you're talking about teams this year, maybe not in the in the finals or anything, but out of all the teams this year, I think that um, I feel like Phoenix has to be among the biggest winners um, just for the season in general compared to the expectations coming in. You know, they obviously had a really hot uh, eight games in the bubble last year uh, in the trying to get into the play-in and just missed it even after going undefeated. And it's easy, like, I could easily see, and I was nervous that given that, given how exciting everything was and then the fact that they still went home without losing a single game, I could easily see a situation where they're dejected, where they don't want to put in the effort because they see that if they're... Even if they win eight straight with no losses, they could still just miss out um, for something that they can't even control. And they flipped it completely. I mean, they got Chris Paul, um, and then they just sort of steadied the ship and kept going with the same momentum as last year. And, you know, similarly this year, they got off to a really hot start. At one point, I think they were the best team in the league in terms of their record. Maybe they were, like, top three I can't remember for sure, but that was when we were talking about them. After that, they went on a slump, and yeah. they struggled, and now they're climbing out of that, and and that's like something that veteran teams do, and I think you have to attribute a lot of that to Chris Paul. Um, I'm glad that he made the All-Star team, specifically because it's a nod to his role on this team, um, and he has helped improve DeAndre Ayton's game significantly. DeAndre yeah. Ayton, the past two months, has been a plus 11 um yeah in, in box plus and minus i think what's important is chris paul won't give up ever that's just who he is as a player he's always been that way and this suns team as we saw last year they won't give up either yeah uh they all really want to win and that's that's why i think they have huge upset potential they could i think yeah. they could upset one of these those three teams easily yeah and then, not easily I mean, it'd be hard but the thing is yeah one upset is like impressive and like that takes a lot of grit two upsets takes talent and i don't think their talent level is there yet yeah i mean i think that's fair i i do think they're a piece away from being any any serious threat to some of the top teams like they're i would not consider them among those top teams but that said like one piece away is you know infinitely better than they were last year I mean, what year. was that two or three years ago that they had a, a goat pooping in the, in the <laughs> office like yeah. they, this they've come they've come a long yeah. way and well like, and and three or four years ago if i remember correctly they had to like fire their coach because they started off by losing like 12 games straight i mean dragon bender was not far no, away this no is a yeah and thing. so it's it's very recent and you know props to the suns for for sticking it through and they're getting contributions from players that like we did not expect to see contributions and they dumped off from kelly Oubre right cam, before he fell off so. campaign cam johnson both of them have been like playing very well the cam and, name and um, Javon Carter is, like, leading the team on defensive effort. He's been killing them. He's so scrappy and, like, super fun to watch. He's got very big, um, like, uh, Del Vidova vibes <laughs> in terms of, like, the role, like, the scrappiness that he plays with and uh, kind of Caruso vibes, too. And um, yeah. he's been he's been really fun to see. So props to the suns uh definitely had to give them credit the way that they've bounced back has just been astonishing to me so um so yeah i guess we'll call it there um thank you everyone for listening as always 
If you enjoyed the show, if you've been listening for a while, make sure you please leave a review with Apple Podcasts. It helps boost the show up. And make sure that you're subscribing wherever you listen. Um, We are on pretty much every podcasting service out there. So um, there's always a way to find the show. We've got more news to come. We're working on the, the website. Find us there. And we will talk to you next time. See you.